0: Welcome to the Naughty Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns Vordin. And today I'm joined by Claire Muller. Hi. I don't, know, I don't know why I have this really bad habit of just saying people's names with a question mark at the end, because I'm too scared I'm gonna fuck it up. Well,
1: that's that's why you're asking, though. I mean that's I think that's okay. Like you can if you were Australian, you'd naturally ask everything like a question. So that's mm-hmm. you could just say it's a form of vernacular, I guess.
0: I I, I think it's just confidence i don't know what it, yeah I don't, I don't know what it is. it's literally the easiest name to say and i'm still kind of like hmm maybe
1: it's like that although you're not to be honest sometimes people do check how you say it. i think they think it's going to have a fancy french pronunciation like but it, i'm like no it's not it rhymes with bully um mm. so <laughs> that's, that's that's what it I
0: mean, is I, you know I, I would love to use that excuse but i literally asked you two seconds ago <laughs> And you I, told me. Cool. okay um, Claire this is yeah. obviously the second time joining us last time we we'll touch on last time sure. <laughs> shortly because um a few things came from that episode which I never expected but firstly let people know who haven't listened to the first one who you are what you specialize in and kind of maybe what we're going to touch on today.
1: Sure thing that I am a DPhil student at the University of Oxford, studying Old Norse and Old Norse receptions. A bit of folklore as well and storytelling, all the, all the things that kind of mesh together. I mean, receptions is the study of how different authors have responded to Old Norse mythology and written their own texts based on them, whether that's... Um, some people would say films are a form of receptions, and they are, but I mainly deal with stories, novels, poems that kind of thing. And my specialism at the minute is women from the 20th century generally writing in English, sometimes in other languages, who have used Old Norse poetry either have translated it in various ways or have used it in creative format for their own creative works. It's sort of a study of how people think about mythology, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds that's really interesting. And that's not even it what is. we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> so we will You know and to it.
1: Yeah, I sense this is gonna, I, I I sense this, we could talk about an awful lot, but yeah, we mm-hmm. will, tonight is for the spookies.
0: Um, the the spookies wanna- it is. Last time, I think I was um, at a Comic-Con and in a really old barn with creaky floors. Um, yep. And a ghost. I, probably, yeah, possibly a ghost. That kept just cropping up, but not this time. I'm sat in my signature armchair. I've got my gin. Yeah, yeah. I'm, cu- I'm cultured now. I'm a gin man. Very <laughs> nice. My...
1: Whereas I'm just drinking a beer. Mind you, it is vegan IPA, so swings around about.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so, okay. We're going to talk about ghosts, um, one saga in, partic- in particular. Yeah,
1: yeah. Gonna, my, perhaps a- my. Favorite saga, which is called Eyrbyggja saga, the saga of—I mean—William Morris translated it as the Mere Dwellers, but it's—it's—it sort of refers to a bit, As far as I know, it refers to a sort of swampy patch of land or a part of a headland in Iceland, which it's a kind of a settlement story, and it mm. reads like a sort of soap opera. So you get Lexnar saga, Njal's saga, all the sagas. To some extent, they all read a bit like soap operas, but this one jumps about all over the place. And it's more to do with the inhabitants of the neighbourhood and lots of them at once and the general conversion story. And there's one guy who's the head hunter and he's called Snorrigoldi and he's the local chief. But apart from him, different people crop up regularly as well. And it's kind of like Icelandic Coronation Street is the main way yeah. I would describe it. Mm-hmm. but it's got a lot of ghosts in it, a lot of different ghosts. And I thought it'd be fun to have a bit of a spooky storytelling session tonight and engage with two particular ghost threads. Um, last time we talked about the witch thread, we talked about the battle between Gerida and Katla, mm-hmm. And yeah. some of the action tonight does occur as a result of Katla's curse.
0: Okay, okay.
1: It's kind of like a continued sequel to the action. Some of it's not related at all but it's also sort of a revenge motif for it. The idea of a reckoning for something you've done.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, maybe hit pause, go back and listen to the first episode, which is a, a lot of fun as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, check that out and then jump back into this and you can follow on from there, I guess. And I mm-hmm. i mean, I say, am I right in remembering? I remember too well, because this has become a theme for me, that there was a pig ghost, sat on some ash. You know there was,
1: because there's one behind you. Would I, you like to talk about the fan art, <laughs> which occurred from last
0: session? I, I mean, sure, why not? So Why not? There, there, there was a pig, sat on some ash, there was a ghost. Somehow that turned into me, dressed as a pig, sat on some ash, which Sophie, our lovely artist, did a nice little sketch of me, set, framed it, sent it me, Loved it. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Then Caden decided to make a meme of me as a pig sans <laughs> some ash. And this thing doesn't seem, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be stopping. <laughs>
1: no, please don't stop, viewers. <laughs> that, 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 when I'm in the library doing whatever boring-ass thing I have to do every day or replying to my emails, memes are what keep me alive. So yeah. the more piggy dan memes I get, the more I'll be mm-hmm. happy. Or any Did other you- memes... You- you care to create,
0: really? Did you see the latest one?
1: I did. This is the one
0: with the. It actually is a photograph of your face, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh no! No, so there's a the new one of me and Jonas, because.
2: Oh yeah, I
0: do. Me yes. and Jonas, we in, in two episodes ago, we had a, a nice. I think it was no three episodes ago now. We had a nice little bromance. We had a good good chat. Um, you mean just last
1: episode?
0: Just- pardon?
1: You always have a bromance.
0: We do, yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, so Caden again, nicely made a meme of Lady and the Tramp with my face, Jonas's face, looking lovingly at each other with the signature spaghetti. Uh,
2: slurping
1: goat intestines, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a visual, shall Creativity we say. Creativity
0: at its finest.
1: Yeah, it was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> the the thing is with ghost stories, you just get so many good memes. I mean, strictly speaking, that wasn't a ghost story. That was just a magic story, but still you get a lot of troll stuff and shape changing and all the amazing things that uh Odder turned into. Mm-hmm. So I'm I mean, there's definitely still some room for Dan Distaff Dan. Dan turned into a distaff, Dan turned into a goat. Um okay. doesn't just have to be a pig or an ashes.
0: I see the theme here. What yeah. what, ghosts can, what ghosts can we turn down into?
1: Yeah, or what weird object can we turn down into? Sophie, shall I load up Photoshop now? Maybe, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably. <No. laughs> okay, if you if you do okay. want to enjoy, that's going to sh- streamline me into my housekeeping, that I wanted to say. Um, so if you do want to check out the memes, head over to our Facebook group. Is, uh, we've got a Facebook page and we've got a Facebook group where... Our little community hosts all sorts of strange things from the episodes. It's a lot of fun. I absolutely love that group. Um, And you also get all the updates in there as well. And the other thing I want to say is that we've completely revamped our Patreon. So over the last month, I've spent a lot of time looking at making it more affordable and also making sure that we can deliver on the rewards you no, know, every month because obviously over the last year, it's no secret that behind the scenes it's been chaotic, and we haven't been able to keep up with hitting those rewards. We've had a bunch of patrons that have stuck by us, and you know kept the subscriptions going even though they weren't really getting the things that they deserved and the things they were paying for. So we've restructured it, and it's going to be much easier, simpler, but also hopefully beneficial for the people who do sign up. So the lowest tier now is just £3 a month. It's literally 10p a day, and you're going to get a bonus episode every single week. So what we're going to do is going to have the guests stay behind. So today is going to be you, Claire, and we're going to do a Q&A session with the patrons. You can either submit your question live or after or before the show, you can put them on Patreon or on our Discord server. You're also going to get all their episodes ad-free, early access to all the episodes. You're going to have to watch live, uh, have the live chat, Again, you're going to have access to the Discord server and early access to some merch, which we're working on. And I came up with one of the designs today, and I'm so happy with it. I cannot wait to release the next lot of merch. We've got some really cool stuff going on there. Um, And then the second tier is £6 a month. And what this gets you is the story time episodes with Jonas Lorentzen. So we've agreed to do two of these a month. So... I don't know if you've ever seen the story time episodes, Claire, but they are a lot of fun.
1: No, I still, I still need to tune into those. I mean, I love any story time, especially when people do voices. Is, okay,
0: you're going to love these then.
1: I mean, it's, to be honest, it's what I used to do as a job. So it's, I, I kind of miss story time in a way. Okay. And that's, that's something I would like to see.
0: Well, you may have to make a special appearance if that's what you used to do as a job.
1: Can I? Oh, goody. Yeah, yes. I
0: I'd enjoy I'd enjoy mucking about with you guys and doing silly voices. That'd be really yeah. cool. So yeah, Jonas is the the narrator in the sagas. Basically, we pick a saga, and we go through it. It may take a couple of weeks to get all the way through it, so he's split up into different episodes. And he mm-hmm. just, you know, Jonas. He just does a whole range of. He's a natural performer. He does a whole range of different voices, different characters. It's a lot of fun. We have a good laugh. Um, and also, if you sign up, you get all the ones we've done before and all the back catalogue. And then the highest tier is ten pound, and you're going to get twenty percent off any Nordic mythology Nordic mythology podcast merch we do, and also you're going to get twenty percent off any horns of Odin or anything off the horns of Odin website. So that's kind of the highest tier, but you're going to be able to get it back through discounts. So yeah, I just want to shout those out because, like I say, we spend a lot of time on it. And it keeps the keeps the show going. It means that. Again, we can get Jonas to commit. We can get Ron working behind the scenes, Alyssa doing social media, Matt doing the artwork. There's a whole little team at the podcast now, and they all need paying. So sign up if you can. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's jump into ghost stories.
1: Yeah, ghost stories. So we have two ghost stories for your delectation tonight. And I'm just going to... If I do any reading, I'm going to read in English Is that because I do not know where my old Norse copy of the saga has gone and I'm too tired to read out and then translate. Okay. So that's just the way we'll go. So listeners from last episode may remember, but I'll do a little recap. Do you remember the words of Katla when she died? So she was stoned to death. Um, in disgrace because it was found out that she had not only troll ridden a man, but she'd deceived a lot of men. She'd aided her son in cutting off someone's hand. She'd generally been a very disruptive influence. Mm-hmm. And someone said when her son died, he died at the gallows quite quickly, you know, and she died by stoning and said, We think you have an evil mother. And she gives the clap back of, well you know, if I have anything to do with it, I think you have an evil father and I think it's going to get worse, essentially. One of the men called Alenkell, who's quite a nice law-abiding citizen, has a father called Thorolf, and his nickname is Thorolf Lamefoot. Uh, he's got a, obviously a bad foot, does what it says on the tin. <laughs> and he's like, he's like the worst neighbor possible. Um, he's that grumpy old man who is forever the bane of the council or the bane of his neighbors. Mm-hmm. he kind of steals stuff, he goes over boundaries, he complains about other people and it would take too long to say all the things he does but he's a real meaty character so the long and short of it is that he gets more and more bad tempered and double crossing, eventually he gets double crossed in some land by Snorri Godi, who's quite smart mm-hmm. um, not the most sympathetic character actually but, but pretty clever people tend to go to him for solving problems and um, so Todorov essentially dies a disappointment, in a way. Or you get the sense that his disappointment and his disillusionment over the way he's been done kind of it gives him a, a knock to his pride, and okay. this makes him more vulnerable to. He, he's already quite elderly by this time, and this just sort of makes him give up the ghost, or rather, mm-hmm. everything
2: but. So okay. this is
1: the. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how he dies. So it says. Father and son parted. Uncles just told him essentially to F off. I'm not going to help you anymore. You, you, oh. you, you've done yourself in. Mm-hmm. And the Lamefoot went home and felt exceedingly dejected about the turn matters had taken and about being thwarted in everything. I'd mm-hmm. like to say he has, done, he has stirred a lot of shit. So mm-hmm. he okay. was feeling sorry for himself. He arrived home in the evening and spoke with no one. He sat down in the high seat and did not eat anything all evening. This is somewhat a reflection of Eitel's saga. As Some people, if they've read it, might recognize this is the pining away. He remained sitting there after all the others had gone to bed. And in the morning when they got up, Thorolf was still sitting there and was dead. Then the mistress of the house sent a man to Ankel to inform him of the passing of Thorolf. Okay. When they came there, Ankel learned for certain that his father was dead, sitting in the seat of honor. But all the people in the house were terrified because they all thought there was something uncanny about his death. So okay. if someone dies, standing or sitting up, that's trouble. Um, that's oh, the really? sign that. Oh, yeah. That's a sign that you're going to have an unquiet rest and perhaps come back. So they try to do everything in their power here. Um,
0: uh, okay. If you, if you get stabbed with a sword while standing, does that count? Or is it...
1: It's never actually... I can't think of an example of that. And perhaps more experienced saga readers who, or people who specialize in others will tell me otherwise. I think it's, this is nothing to do with death, by combat. This is to do with how someone passes away. And I think okay. it's also mixed up in the idea of bad feeling. So there seems to be a formula whereby if someone dies with some disappointment on their hands or some feeling of anger, I mean, I think in many cultures, that's a sign that something's going to go wrong.
0: Yeah. It's, um, it, well, it's a sense of like things been unfinished, unsettled. It's yeah, just not it, peaceful, is it?
1: That's the idea. I think it's more, you know, I'm still, I'd like to add the caveat, whatever I say, I'm still researching this. Um, I'm not a professor of 30 years. I'm still a baby. So sometimes there are gaps in my knowledge, but as far as I know, based on my own experience of the reading, I think it is a sense of the unfinished passing that is important here and mm. a sense of his troublesomeness in life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the two of them combine together pretty well and he's just sort of sat there and pined away, which isn't, is a bit weird. Like it, You'd expect someone either to die violently because they're taking some kind of action or to go to bed and die or die of sickness. But he just sort of randomly dies, essentially having refused one meal. This doesn't linger for a week. So it, yeah. it is weird when you think about it.
0: It's, it's very sudden. I mean, yeah. there, there's no illness. There's no Mm-mm. damage, no harm. It's just...
1: He just... It's almost like he just decides to give up. Um, mm-hmm. Or he's so overtaken with his own temper. I mean, it's not... Who knows? Um, We talked last time about a stroke being exacerbated by stress. Mm. I think a modern medic might look at the story and go, well, maybe he had an underlying condition and maybe he did. But for the narrative purposes, it's very strange for the house and for the servants and everybody, because as far as they know, he was just sitting up after they'd gone to bed. And then they come down in the morning, he's still there. And there's no apparent reason.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's, that's what I was just thinking. How, We're we're looking at a time where medicine was very different than it is Mm. today. And, you know, things like strokes and heart attacks, probably they're not understood how we understand them. So you're going to look for a reason as to why these things happen. It's probably going to, you're naturally going to look at the last thing that happened, I guess, as well. So if something stressful has just happened and then somebody dies, you're kind of going to look at that and go, that must, that, that must be the reason. Of course it is.
1: Yeah, and, and it might not be wrong. It's just not the full explanation. So while we don't have... You could say easily, oh, he died because he had stress. But if you don't know about heart attacks, then that's the whole truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But here, I mean, I don't know. I think the idea... Is, I mean, bear in mind also, we're dealing with narrative patterning here. So this isn't entirely true. and is isn't entirely fiction. This is something that somebody has laid out to make a point. And part of the okay. story here, this is a constant thread in the story in the sense that Snorrigo, the uncertain people are meant to inherit this land. And it's a book that seems to have been written or a work rather, not a book. We don't really have, before the printing press, it's very risky to say book. Um, okay. But it, it's a work that's been written in the sense that it's, it's trying to justify or bend a historical narrative so that their supremacy seems justified or seems to make sense so it's, it's okay. sort of propaganda it's it's not the fullest propaganda but it, it kind of is like it's mm-hmm. so Sorov is a classic case of a plot device to ensure that the right people come out on top or seem to come out on top and this is a, a problem that has to be overcome And it's also a sign of, I mean, this, this halfway through this saga, you get Christianity made law in Iceland, and that's around a thousand AD. Due to a parliamentary decision. And so what you've got is this sort of hinterland of a land that is officially Christian, but it's still shaking off the trappings of more superstitious beliefs or Mm -hmm. according to a Christian, more superstitious beliefs. It's, um, it's a blended narrative and so hence all all the ghosts are very interesting for that reason and as we said before there's a sense of um, the past being put in its place by paying tribute and telling is a good story you then have a natural ending to the story and the idea is it's separated off very nicely from the present or what for the scribe was the present
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so I think that's for you Um, so let me tell you how they buried him. Um, uh. So Uncle went into the kitchen and from there along the dais behind Thorov, behind his father, where his corpse is, he warned everyone not to approach him from the front until the last service to the dead had been performed. So they're guarding everybody. And the last service to the dead is the closing of the dead person's eyes, nostrils and mouth. Um and to know i think i know about the closing of the eyes i imagine it's something to do with the idea of something not escaping from a natural orifice but you'd have to ask a burial expert for that Mm -hmm. um so uncle took thoralf by the shoulders and he had to exert all his strength to get him down from the high seat the inevitably rigor mortis will have set in anyway um but they will see that also as a, a sign i imagine then he wrapped
0: a cloth yeah so, I would, so when they say high seat the now, high seat of the hall yeah uh, uh, how high are we talking because when you say getting him down i feel like i've got this image of somebody yeah. like, yeah, like just trying to and no. then the body just talking... falling on him in this like slapstick <laughs> manner
1: we're not talking bear watch we're talking you know like the lifeguard chair we're just talking mm-hmm. like a, you know in most if you see if you think of your typical picture of me- a medieval hall or homestead yeah. You will have the high seat, which is basically up on a raised platform, and it's okay, like a yeah, yeah. So it's the mm-hmm. idea is the master of the hall sits there. A bigger okay. version for kings, smaller version for a chieftain,
2: yeah,
1: um, or, or just the owner of the farm in this mm-hmm. case. So he's in the big chair, and he has to be dragged out, essentially. Okay. <laughs> So after that, he wrapped a cloth around Thorol's head and prepared the body according to the custom of that time. Then, why would we want to hide the eyes? Um, I hear you, cry. Oh, Can anyone guess that? Um, see, if, see if anyone in the chat could say. <laughs>
0: hmm.
1: They're all very quiet for one. They,
0: they have, yeah.
1: <laughs> Who knows? Um... Who can- Put two coins. I don't think you put coins on the eyes as far as I think that's Greek, but again, you'd have to ask yeah. the very, like, it's evil. It's to do with the evil eye. It's the same reason why River wrapped Padilla's head in a sealskin bag so she couldn't do any bad magic while they were there. Um, yeah, so to save people from the evil eye, because there's been something uncanny about the death. Um, after that, he had the wall broken through behind him and had him pulled out through the opening.
0: no no, what okay (laughs) wait a minute so
1: this is to prevent the ghost of the dead man from entering the house if you take them out through the door which is always open and which is very obvious the idea is that they'll know where to come back in if they fancy a bit of haunting so if you take the body out through the wall and then close the wall up the ghost doesn't know how to get in
0: I feel like the builder came up with this. Whoever was building houses (laughs) and repairing walls came up with this because he's like... Oh, I got a good idea. (laughs) Everybody destroy a wall when somebody dies so I can come and fix it. Because other than that, I don't understand why you would do that. Like, what...
2: You don't want to ghost, do you?
0: Well, where does that come from? I don't understand.
1: I am not sure whether... I mean, it's... I'm not sure whether that's primarily Icelandic it's Scandinavian but yeah I imagine oh, it makes sense because if you really believe a ghost might come <laughs> back or someone might rest quiet the idea is to naturally I mean you get no. you get this I think, with a lot of cultures with ghosts the idea of being that the ghost has some sense of how to come back or there's an idea that they know the entrance to the house or that you want to prevent them from taking the logical route in which is why I mean have you heard of witch bottles
0: I have not.
1: So people putting an empty glass bottle enclosed by a wall with the opening to the neck of the bottle on the outside. So if a witch is trying to enter your house, they will mistake that small orifice for the natural entrance. Um, And they will go in there and get trapped in the bottle rather than coming into the room and harming you.
0: People were weird, weren't they? People were weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think people I just are weird. Uh what. You know what I mean, that reminds when, me of?
0: Have you ever heard of when people put conkers in the corner of the room?
1: I it's, haven't heard of that one,
0: funnily enough. So people put conkers in the corners of the rooms because apparently it scares off spiders. And I feel like this is the exact same thing. It's just something that people a, tell themselves to make themselves feel better. They're like, maybe, I'm scared of a witch, so I'm going to put this bottle outside. And of course, the witch is going to think the mouth of the bottle is the house <laughs> she's going to go in there instead of coming inside.
1: I mean yeah, as there's a, there was a comment on the chat here which, which was really quite pertinent. So Sophie says yes witches have an IQ of two yeah, and if you pay attention to clerical documents, yeah they do have an IQ of two. Like, the, for all the easy remedies to witches you think they were kind of stupid um, mm-hmm. but yeah I think, it's, I think you might have a point there I think there's a certain placebo effect which is that people decide to do something just on the off chance. Um, mm. It's the same with this, I think, in Italy, and I think it's Italy, in certain Mediterranean countries, they cover up a mirror after a person dies. Mm-hmm. And that's something so. to do with, and, the, and that's something to do with, I don't entirely know, someone may comment on the chat in this, but it's to do with the veil between the words, world's being quite thin to prevent anything coming through the mirror, or there's some kind of idea of a parallel world there which people don't want to interfere. And it's the Mm. same with say Halloween, where the veil between the worlds is meant to be very thin and, you know, you're meant to take care because supernatural is more likely and something could Mm. make an entrance. There's quite a physical aspect to ghosts about entering and barring the way for them and, or inviting them. Um, the coins over the eyes of a past person in greek tradition in, re- in response to elizabeth is where are a payment for the ferryman to ferry you across the river mm-hmm. for all i know there's some similar tradition and i don't think that's a scandinavian tradition but again that's one to look up my my specialism really is ghost stories when it comes to the actual ritualistic side of burying or the artifacts i'm far less experienced
0: mm-hmm. i just
1: know what people talk about sometimes um yeah, it's... Sophie says, I've seen people wipe their hand across a mirror to close the barrier. Yeah, there is a... Yeah, so there is an idea of entrances and exits and entrances to the other world, go knowing exit... And there's a lot... story stories also, fairy stories too, about things coming down chimneys. I think openings are very important mm-hmm. in that sense. Yes,
0: yeah, um, of course. Um, yeah. But, okay... So let's get back to
1: Back to the story. This, so this, 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 they've done all this, the right this... things.
0: <laughs> you say the right things, but I'm never gonna say that knocking a wall down to take somebody out, just put a bag over their head. No, they don't a the head. Make some banging
1: They don't walk the whole the through the whole wall down. They just make a little hole and pass the corpse through and then close it up again. And if you've got a plaster wall made of horse dung and straw and thing, or, or if it's just a few loose bricks that's not so hard
0: uh, you you would, like, you've never been a builder have you <laughs> because it's not easy to knock a am more practical
1: than you think but yeah it's you know if you have a couple of people to help you i mean you consider really how okay your average person isn't necessarily tiny but they're not they're not much compared if they're lying on their back it's essentially like building a corpse letterbox,
2: mm-hmm.
0: isn't
1: it? And you're just posting them through. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the worst thing.
0: Uh, I, I Because obviously we're talking about wooden houses and-
2: No, we're bit, not.
0: Are we not. We're not talking
1: about wooden houses, no. I mean, maybe here and there, but I, th- I think that you're as likely to get um, a stone cottage as anything else. Maybe people should comment on this one, but it's not to be guaranteed that the wall is made of wood. I would imagine it would have to be a little bit hard. I, I imagine, I imagine them built out of lots of blocks, a bit like a dry stone wall.
0: That's even worse. That's even harder to put back right. But yeah. okay, let let's move what on. The story they've,
1: says they've, I they've didn't done write Chris.
0: No, absolutely not. They've done this crazy thing. They've. Made a Spentable. human letterbox. <laughs> they made a corpse
1: letterbox. They <laughs> posted nothing it. Yep, they posted Dab <laughs> through the wall, Dab's a okay. bugger, and now he's gone. And his death was weird. So all right, well we don't want him coming back. So let's let's get him out. Um. So then the oxen were harnessed to a sled. Thorov was laid in it, and they brought him up to Thorsadala. And it was not without a struggle before they reached the place where he was to be buried so a hard j- it's never stated whether it's just a hard journey or there's some natural hesitation on the part of the oxen but it's left to stand there you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: again build up sagas are par excellence the masters of build up and every detail counts they buried parole securely and heaped stones over him and after that uncle rode home to crumb and took possession of all the property there which his father had owned And he stayed there for three days, and nothing of particular moment happened during this time, and then he went home. And that's the end of the story. Okay. But wait, no, No, it isn't. Where's the ghost? (laughs) The next chapter discusses the fairly spectacular haunting. And I I think it's too good to paraphrase, so I'm just going to read it to
2: you.
1: Okay. Here we go. After the death of Thorolf Lamefoot, it seemed to many that there was something uncanny out of doors as soon as the sun got low. Add to this that as the summer wore on, people became aware that Thorolf was not lying quietly. So they could never be out of doors in peace after the sun set. So again, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, besides that, the oxen which had drawn Thorolf became troll ridden. You see, it wasn't just a natural. Mm-hmm. Slowness of journey. He was his spirit was affecting them. All the cattle which came near the grave of Thorolf went mad and bellowed until they died. The shepherd at farm was often chased home by Thorolf. So he's clearly he's been, up and about.
0: He's a pesky one.
1: <laughs> he's a pesky one. He really is a pest. He's he's as much of a pest in life and death, really equally. In fact, he's more of a pest in death because he's strong. Uh, he's yeah. a dragon. Uh, It happened one evening during the ultimate farm that neither the shepherd nor the sheep came home. In the morning, a search was made and the shepherd was found dead a short distance from the grave. He was black and blue all over, and every bone in him was broken. Okay. Yep. So, again, classic detail of someone who may become undead. Um, This happened with Gretis Saga and the troll character of um oh goodness me i have forgotten his name he's the equivalent of grendel and many people say it's the same sort of figure in detective okay Uh, glaumer that's his name he's got big glowing eyes and he was officially a slave and a shepherd before he became a revenant troll but Mm -hmm. when he dies he dies in a fight with another ghost and that's what makes him into a ghost and they find him black and blue all over and with a lot of broken bones. So this is a sign he's not going to lie quietly either. So that mm-hmm. he was buried near Thorolf's grave mound. But of all the sheep which had been in that valley, some were found dead, and the rest ran up into the mountains and were never found again. And if birds settled on the grave of Thorolf, they fell down dead. Major <laughs> toxic, toxic spirit going on. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And
1: they need some sage burnt over this spot is, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not what they're going to do, obviously, because this is a bit of a, (laughs) a bit more of a Christian narrative. Mm -hmm. So things became so bad that no man dared graze his livestock up in the valley. Often during the night, the people at the farm heard loud noises outside. And they also often heard how the house was being ridden. And do you remember about that from last time? Mm -hmm. Um, The idea that a troll will sit on a roof and make a big clattery noise. Yeah. And when winter came, Thorolf often appeared inside the house at the farm and he bothered the mistress of the house most of all. So it doesn't say exactly what he did, but clearly there's an element of some kind of sexism or sexual violence. I think Um, many, 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 a person took harm from this. So they're not just scared. Um, If his spirit gets to them, they start sickening or they start having a bad physical effect. Um, The mistress herself went almost mad. Uh, It ended with the mistress of the house dying from these apparitions. So that's that's how bad it got.
0: It's causing real, real harm.
1: Yeah. This is not just a bit of walking up and down going, woo. This is a bit of a lot of violence. Um, particularly,
0: uh, Particularly because, you know, cattle, livestock, they weren't cheap things. You know, they were very valuable no. to the people. So the loss no. of all the, yeah. the, the cattle, the animals, it's, it's a huge uh, sort of strike on the, on the farm.
1: Yeah, it's huge. If you're in any country which is, has very extreme weather conditions and most of your livelihood is farming, then anything that gets to your animals is bad news. And it's why so much of Icelandic folklore focuses on cream and butter, milk, um, and it, one of the fights they had was over straw, Tharov was straw from somebody and obviously mm. that's, um, that's animal food and bedding, yeah. so it's a problem um, and even th- small things like land disputes are huge because ultimately that land is what your sheep graze on or mm. there's chance that your sheep might be mistaken for someone else's if they stray off the land and there's mm. a couple of territorial disputes take place in saga as well over somebody's sheep eating somebody else's grass and on the surface, it's kind of funny because you it's kind of like those neighborhood disputes you have was you know, you hear between adults as kids, like some of the your tree's touching my fence. And yeah. it's but it's it's way more serious than that in this context.
2: Mm-hmm. Um well what you say there? that, but yeah. but people Oh, I see.
0: but you say that, but people still get ridiculously annoyed over things as trivial as like you say somebody's tree being too high or leaning over into somebody's garden like those those often turn into physical conflicts that people just let it they bother do. them so much and and they just become toxic
1: i mean sometimes i think it's from lack of occupation like there's definitely some not everybody sometimes there's a general hazard or someone's worried that the tree's going to blow down and then you do need to take care of it but i mean i'll never forget when my mom got her new fence done years and years ago i mean our neighbourhood's relatively big. And I remember someone from up the road on a hill complaining. He'd never spoken to us in his life. But the next thing we knew, we had a note through our letterbox saying the fence was spoiling his view. And this, <laughs> this view was of other houses. Yeah. So either he'd been perving on somebody a few doors down with his binoculars.
2: May-
0: or well, it could just- be that. May-
1: but he was just really, he was really pissy about it. And I just remember thinking, in a life. Even at you know twelve years old, I was like, what "The mm. hell are you on about? Like, you've got a view over the rest. There's a lovely field out the back, and you can see that fine. Like, what's wrong with you?" But um,
2: yeah, it, was, uh,
0: it seems something that happens quite often, where it really is. I don't know if it's like a jealousy thing or or what it is. Or, or some people they just don't ever want to see the good for other people. It's like you have oh. something nice, so I have to try and. Take that away from you somehow because I'm a miserable prick.
1: Yeah, my, what's my, and I think it's, yeah, territorial is the word. I think it's what's mine is mine. You are spoiling my view. You are in my space. And it's like, sometimes it's fair enough, but sometimes it's, oh, for God's sake. And mm-hmm. you tend to find the kind of people who don't get bothered by it so much are the people who have a life, in yeah. my humble opinion so it's you know it's it just come what i really love is when it comes up on reddit feeds like someone's being a real you know you get those am i the asshole stories mm-hmm. and yeah. you get to read about am i the asshole for building a fence like no you're not um it just because someone's got tremendous hate mail or someone's pranked them or yeah. or they've pranked stuff or sometimes the real funny stories are where someone actually has been really antisocial and they mm-hmm. prank them for it and I, I, yeah. I kind of find those stories really funny. They're always
0: good. They're, it's yeah. always good when somebody gets a little bit of karma.
1: Yeah, yeah, think. Oh, one word in the chat that has popped up, um, historical Karen's. Karen is a very loaded word, isn't it? I mean, I, I get it in a way and I do like it. I just wish there was a word for the male equivalent. Do we, is there a male equivalent for a Karen? Because I think a lot of people are good at... Yeah, a Chad. Oh, good. Okay, Kyle or Chad. Excellent. No, that mm. solves, my, solves my dilemma because I think the thing is both, both genders can be whiny, horrible, bitchy people. Mm-hmm. And I, for course. a long time, we didn't, we didn't have the equivalent. Uh, but now we do. Excellent. So we have Kyle or Chad. So Taurav in life was definitely a Chad, I would yeah. say. Still, definitely it does stink Chad. of a Chad. He stinks of it. So now he's a dead Chad which is even worse. Um, So now they decide to do something about it, but before they do, it gets worse. Um, You know, so he's riding the house, people flee from the farm, and now Thorough began to haunt the valley to such an extent that all the farms there were deserted, all the farms. And his haunting increased so greatly in violence that he killed some men and put others to flight. And all who had died were seen with him when he was haunting. So basically, whenever he turns up, he has this stream of dead people with him that mm-hmm. he's also killed. So it's not just now a single haunting; it's a mass haunting, and it accumulates. It's like Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so people made a great outcry about the trouble. It seemed to them that it was up to Uncle to deal with it. Poor old Uncle, who has done no wrong and happens to have a really shitty father,
2: through yeah.
1: no know, fault of his mother. I really, I really feel for this dude. I do. Um, so uncle invited All those to stay with him Who liked it better There than elsewhere Because the interesting thing is Thorof would never haunt Any place where uncle Was present So clearly There is some respect In death for family members And he is His ghost has to acknowledge That he can't harm His own child
0: Okay That's That's interesting Is it, is it just him That he He leaves mm, alone Or is it him. the
1: Just uncle yeah yeah i think it's um I think it's at any place where he's present so um
0: do you think that's a respect even... thing or a, or a fear thing that he he maybe thinks that he can do something to stop it
1: I don't think it's fear i think it's a i think it's taboo slash respect i mean it's like um i guess it's never fully explained, but I suspect it's the familial tie um a sense of even even with the dead some sense of duty perhaps lingers and he's aware that i can't harm my own kid
2: okay although you
1: know he was such an unpleasant old man in life that actually you wouldn't have been surprised if he had harmed his own kid but he's Mm -hmm. surprisingly decent about this so uncle has people to stay with him because he's realized the trick that you know if they're all with him the ghost won't come there so he's probably got a lot more house guests than he wants um so fearful with people oh no it also says there was never any in- oh yeah it says that no- none of the ghosts with him would harm anybody either when uncle was present okay so um, people were really frightened of the hauntings and nobody dared to travel about during the winter even on business so it's very linked to the light it- oh, yeah. bad things happen in the dark always but when winter passed, there came a fine spring. And when the frost was out of the ground, Uncle sent a man to Karsted to the sons of Thorbrand and asked them to go along with him to take Thorolf away out of Thor's and to find him a burial place elsewhere. So long story short, there's a bit of to and fro over whose job it is and whether they're entitled to do this deed or whether they are, whether they are actually obliged. But in mm. the end, what they do is they remove him from the burial mound he was in. So classic Draugr. Um, they opened the mound and they found the body of Thorolf there, undecomposed is the word. You, I'm not even sure that's the word. I, I, I presume it is because it made the editing, but I've never heard it before. It's it's still it's still not decomposed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's really hideous to look at. And, and this is yeah. classic go. The body hasn't rotted properly. So we've seen other stories like this before. I mean, any fans of Dracula will see the resemblance to vampires that the Icelandic undead hold as well. The real difference is they don't drink blood, um, and they're killed slightly differently. And there's no none of this stuff with garlic. But yeah, was he just mm-hmm. composed? <laughs> that makes him sound calm. Then, yeah, um, and yes, this is like every other Witcher side three, Witcher three side quest. Yes, it is. Um, I, I fully concur. Um, so they take the body, they lift him out of the grave, they lay him on the sledge, and they harness two strong oxen to it. Uh oh. Um, yeah. that didn't Poor work very well last time no. I really feel sorry for the oxen in this story, I really do uh, it's cruelty to cows um, mm-hmm. so they dragged him up Ulforsfell Ridge and by then the oxen were spent others were hitched up and they dragged him up on the ridge, And uncle intended to move him to the Valdeshof the promontory and bury him there so geography wise this won't mean much to most of you, it doesn't mean that much to me but the idea is this is some distance away and they feel they've got a bit further to go Uh, But when they came to the edge of the hill, the oxen went mad. They broke away, ran off down the ridge and headed out along the mountainside. Um, And they basically, by the time they caught them again, they were completely exhausted. Mm. So that's taken as a sign they shouldn't just go any further. They should just make good and bury him where they could while the going was good. Um, And he was so heavy by then that they were scarcely able to move him at all. Classic, throughout the body. They often talk about the corpses swelling to massive proportions, Mm -hmm. uh, as you'll see later with another undead. Um, So they took him to a little headland nearby and buried him there. And that place um, has since been called by Lamefoot's Headland. And later, Uncle had a wall built across the headland above the burial mound so high that nothing could get over it except a bird in flight. Traces of it can still be seen. And there, off lay quietly as long as uncle was alive.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, does he, does he come back? Is there a part two?
1: There is a part two. There is indeed a part two.
0: Okay. So,
1: what, what are your thoughts the, so far then?
0: The skeptic in me is trying yep. to look for real world explanations for things that happen. So you said about the house being troll ridden, and obviously Iceland is known for its extreme weather. So, yep. it could this be a case of it just been a horrible night? The winds blowing, the snows coming down, the hail—very likely, it's particularly nasty.
1: Yeah. So you you are of the ghost busting thinking. Yeah, I think um, I think most people listening to this story would be fairly convinced that. It was probably partly bad weather, bad feeling. Um, Although there is some thinking that sometimes you can have an unquiet spirit. I mean, I'll never forget running into some gamekeepers in um, Leeds. They were all, it was incredible. They were all coming back on a train from a conference and they were all taking care of this big spot of land up near Halifax. And they told me a couple of stories, which, you know, you get the feeling people aren't lying to you. Like they could have been pulling my leg. But they really, yeah, they clearly wanted to talk about it. One of them said that a friend of theirs had been in an old cottage up on the hills and um, he'd spotted a a figure circling around a spot in the floor in his living room, something that was clearly a ghost or some kind of spirit. And it was just standing, looking at this spot in the floor. And when they dug up the floor, they found an unmarked grave. Um, And once they buried that body in a churchyard, then the ghost didn't come back.
2: Mm.
1: so yeah there's a i think we, there's a lot of wishful thinking and people want to see ghosts and presences what i think the older i get suddenly the less cynical i get i've heard a lot of very sensible people tell stories like this and obviously not all of them have seen a figure but some of them have and you just think well there's certainly something to investigate i'm 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 sort of I think I'm an agnostic on the scale. I think a lot of people see things when they want to see things, but Mm. people like people like my grandmother have had odd experiences and friends of mine have talked about fairly sensible friends of theirs who've had experiences and some people can see things. Other people speak of people who've apparently seen something in their presence and just assumed it was another person going about their business. Um, and then when they've spoken to somebody who was there later on, that other person says, oh, who are you talking to? And it turns out they've been talking to what appears to be a ghost and the other mm-hmm. person just couldn't see it. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I imagine the chat will, people will have a lot to share about their own stories. Um, but I, I'd like to put that out there. I think sometimes it is trickery of the weather. Sometimes it is atmospheric and sometimes it's our own stresses. But I think sometimes there's occasional, t- I imagine with this story in particular, it's quite fantastical. Um, but maybe yeah. there was a certain truth. Maybe there's a certain truth in that people thought that this very maddening, grumpy, hostile old person maybe did have a bit of a presence after he was dead, or things seemed to go wrong, and they put it down to him, or there was a sort of That's, unquiet feeling about the house.
0: That would be that would be my thinking. Uh, hmm. So here's an idea. Let's get into personal ghost stories. After the show, okay. we'll we'll do that in the Q and A. After we can talk about like our yeah. personal feelings I on ghosts. I think that'd ghosts. be a great people idea. Share, people can share their ghost stories. I can tell you my thoughts on on ghosts, and and we can we can get all to that because I love ghosts. I love ghosts. I, love, ghosts. I love all yes. this stuff. So we can really get into that after. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to to this story in particular, I think you you're right in that when somebody's an asshole in life and then they die. And then when bad things happen, it's easy to just go, that motherfucker is still doing it now. Like, he's yeah. still fucking with us. Um, and particularly, you know, especially when it's things that we can explain today, but maybe they couldn't explain a thousand years ago. Yeah. They didn't have the science answer to it.
1: I think so. I mean just as we can have events colored by our moods i mean if you are head over heels in love or in very high spirits a small accident can seem very funny um if you already had a terrible day or just want to cry then the smallest thing can make you think the universe is against you and i think it's something similar with ghosts um i've no doubt that this a lot of saga material is very possibly based on quite accurate detail and even if some of it's made up for narrative purposes then the main impression i get from this story is there was a person of ill repute living around that area and he he had a very bad reputation Mm -hmm. and would have left a bad smell um and it would have been very easy to attach uneasy weather and a bad way because all of this is happening around winter and winter is a bugger of a time for seeing things or feeling depressed or not having enough to eat and all that Mm -hmm. can make you see more into things
0: And also the the darkness is there. We all know ghosts only come out in night. They only come out in the dark. So obviously winter, the prolonged nights, it's.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you can see, honestly, you can see anything in the dark. If you put your mind to it, Um, it doesn't mean nothing's there. But I think any, any time that the fantasy gets more to be a fantasy and not, a real thing you say you know let's just assume there is some evidence of ghost or spirits and people have experienced something real but that means there are also times when it's not real um yeah i think in the sagas there's a very good point in the chat here um the ghosts in some literature definitely don't just stick to nighttime and that's fair to say you do get some modern ghost stories and accounts where the ghost doesn't just stick to nighttime but I think it says a lot that in the sagas, particularly a lot of supernatural events happen at night. And that's because mm-hmm. night's the time of imagining and deprivation of light. And you see more than you would see in the day. And it's easier to get tricked mm. and spooked. And if you've ever been in a wooden house overnight by yourself, which I have, um, if the door doesn't look properly or there's wind in the chimney, or you can hear every creak of the wood outside. Yeah. Um, if a fox sniffs at your doorstep or if, Even if there's a small shudder of wind, it sounds like something dying. And it's on the one hand, it's incredibly thrilling. But on the other hand, it's not a good thing to do if you're already in a bit of a vulnerable state of mind. So I'm not surprised that this is happening at all.
0: Absolutely. Um, Okay, so why did taking him out through the wall not work? Don't think I forgot about that. They took him out of the wall. Why did it not work?
1: I don't know. Maybe he was too malevolent a spirit. I mean, bear in mind, he hasn't, um, you know, they did that as a precaution
2: mm-hmm.
1: and precautions don't always work. Oh,
2: uh, okay. they ruined <laughs> the I just, a really, bad ana- I a really
1: bad analogy came into my head just then. And I'm not going to say,
0: it. uh, <laughs> Go for
2: protection it. doesn't always work. Okay. Um,
0: so occasionally do, you get a
1: faulty condom.
0: They do write it on so, the box. Yes, Famous, they do. Famously discovered in and, friends. They write it on the box.
1: Yeah. So if a condom can be I mean, it's it's poor logic, really. If a condom can be faulty, so can a wall protection. But you know, protect precautions are precautions. They are to give us the best possible chance of something not happening, and they don't always okay. do work. And in this case, he's my feeling is. I mean, he's haunting the valley. So he's, it's clearly, it's more than just him coming into the house by now. It's, I imagine there was a feeling that some ghosts would just want to come home if they were a bit unkwired. Yeah, undying. okay.
2: So, yeah. so
1: if it was Granddad, and Granddad wasn't particularly avasted, but you don't really want the ghost of Granddad tapping at your window and wandering in the front door and sitting down, because you don't know, there's nothing to be done. And it's upsetting. Mm. Um, and it, it's ba- probably bad luck in some ways, yeah. but it's just... I imagine that's a fairly commonplace desire to keep the dead where the dead belong. Mm-hmm. But in this case, this is more than just the dead. This is a yeah. real bastard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, he's, that's a good point. He's, he's clearly committing awful acts to animals as well, which is yeah. the, biggest, the biggest sin in my eyes. Uh, he's,
1: I think it's more his aura as much as anything. Like birds flying over his mouth, just, and yeah. I, It's like a toxic... It's almost like a nuclear zone. I think it's just the feel of the place as much as anything.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, let's, what's next? Tell me some more ghost stories.
1: Part two, let's find it. Um, So you notice the catch is that he doesn't, um, he doesn't harm anyone for, he's put in a distant place. And as long as Anko is alive, then he's not going to do anything else. Mm -hmm. But, and there's a big but, uh, Ankels can't stay alive forever, so I'm just um you have a little talk amongst I was gonna say amongst yourselves, but it's really Dan talking of the rest of you typing. so I'm just going find find the okay. chat for heading.
2: Uh, okay,
0: is it a possible a possibility that uncle is just doing this to everybody like he's the villain because it's like when you don't when you oh, don't see the same person you mean like the like same. You do? Pl- yeah, so he's the one that secretly sneaks off and doing it. And that's why it never happens when he's there. Because it's like, he's here. And maybe he's the the shithead. And he's the real that villain is, the story.
1: You know, that's a reading nobody's ever come up with. I mean, wow. usual argument is this is a built narrative and there's no sense of... Con- the, the, the conspiracy of the narrative is that there probably wasn't so much haunting and it wasn't that coherent. Um, I think if it was... But then if you were, if if you were, if, and this is assuming that the events that the narrator is narrating are not all that accurate. Um, so that would be my guard against that theory. But I love the idea. I, I love the idea that he's got this mask on the rest of the time and then the kids come in and find him and he's like, ah, I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you pesky kids.
0: <laughs> That's it, yeah. But, you know, it's like, have you ever seen him and the ghost in the same place at the same time? I bet not
1: well it's certainly worth thinking about maybe he maybe although it does put him out if you think about it because what game does he get from everybody being scared of his dad i mean it means everybody comes and stays at his house and eats his provisions
0: Mm. which isn't ideal unless they bring provisions with them they could all bring a little bit of something and he's He's or unless getting... he
1: could use it to curry favour later. Like, oh, you protected us from the ghosts. Yes, please, have all my things. Have my daughter in marriage. Uh, you know, all, all, all this kind of kind of advantage that, that people would get. I don't know. I mean, I would love to submit that theory unofficially and you... see what happens.
0: Uh, no, uh, you officially submit under your name. It's all right, I'm giving you it.
1: Thank you very much. See, I think um, <laughs> I might leave it. To you. I'm not sure I agree with you, but I like I I don't know I just something tickles me about him sort of creeping out of the house and going mm-hmm. and then watching people run away and going back in and say, it's fine it never comes when I'm around and then mm-hmm. just reaping the benefits.
0: So nothing with humans um, ever surprises me.
1: No, doesn't surprise me either. So um okay I'm just trying to find yeah Volstead was soon left deserted, so this is a farmstead, because Thorold had begun to haunt the place again as soon as Arnkill was dead. This is chapter 63 of the song. This is way, way in the future, it comes back. Okay. Um, it's not even immediate. It, it's, it, it's, I told you it was like Coronation Street. Things just pop up out of nowhere, because mm-hmm. they've happened about 50 episodes ago. Yeah. Um, so the farmer at Ulfosfeld went to Karlsted to complain to Thorold about his troubles. Um, he declared people thought Lamefoot would not stop until the entire Fjord district was deserted by both humans and livestock, unless steps were taken against him. Um, so, on the following morning, so this is Thorod, the farmer in the district, had his forces brought. He summoned both his manservants as well as people from the neighboring farms, and they rode onto the headland and towards the mound of Thorod. And they broke open his burial mound and found him in it. And his body was still under cave and most okay. troll-like in appearance. He's still mm. not gone. Um, that, is,
0: that is such a common thing with with ghosts. I, I mean, I can't say I've never dug up somebody who's haunting. So I can't say whether it's a real thing. But you see it very often in popular culture, in TV shows, movies, whenever you get this kind of haunt and they dig them up, They've, they're often still quite whole. A bit wrinkly, I mean, a, bit, a, a bit rough. Yeah,
1: or... I think the idea, yeah, stuff being done to a body to preserve it unnaturally. I mean, I would think of even sillier ones like The Mummy, for example. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a hell of a movie, and I, I love it. But It's all in the preservation of how his body is. That it keeps him. And he's still it, uh, juicy when
0: they lift up the lid. Yeah, you know? that, that, that just reminded me, I, I heard today, and when, this might not be true, but I did hear it. So I'm going to put it out there. The apparently, e- Egyptian uh, scholars are asking people not to use the word mummy anymore, and they want to use the word mummified oh. mummified person because mummy right. is derogatory towards the person who is being been mummified.
1: Right, yeah. So I see I can see that. All right. In that case, a mummified body.
2: Um the the film's gonna change.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brendan Fraser is just to be fair. To be fair, they are all all the people who go looking for that body are, you know, it's it's very colonialist, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I guess yeah. I guess it's although I do love it. Um Brendan Fraser in that movie is one of my favorite things ever. And Mm -hmm. um rachel what's her name i can't remember her name saying i am a librarian vice that's right i used to be a librarian this was my storytelling history so this was like my battle cry whenever i watched the movie i am a librarian (laughs) she gave me permission to be proud of it you know it was it was nice um so the body is described as black as hell and as big around as an ox okay which is impressive black as hell being the goddess of obviously niflheimr the the lady who is the child of loki and is she's sort of blue black and bruised looking or or one some popular um depictions of her have one half of her whole and hearty the other half of her decayed and black mm-hmm. and blue um and as big around as an ox so that's when you think of a grown man compared to an ox that's pretty impressive
0: yeah, um, but, but that, that's to get common. That's common with bodies; they swell from the gases and that kind of thing. Anyway,
1: yeah, they do. I mean, obviously this not sort that of big. Like, no, I mean this. This is no doubt some. As we were saying last, I mean, Matthias was very amused last time. We were, and said, so, so they exaggerate, it?
2: No, of course <laughs> they
1: exaggerate. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, this is classic narrative exaggeration, and yes corpses fart as well for this hmm. reason um,
0: yeah, which i imagine
1: is very very amazing if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time but not particularly great if it happens at a funeral um when they tried to get the body out they were unable to budge him i'm not surprised um mm-hmm. donald had them shove a piece of wood underneath him and by that means I, w- that they I wondered where that wood up. was
0: going then uh, <laughs> for a second i was like where the fuck am I going now? <laughs> I
1: mean, you're right to wonder I mean you know the whole chopping off a dragon's head and putting it between his ass cheeks is calm mm-hmm. practice so but yeah this that's, that's really got to be right after you kill it we've reached we've gone beyond the point where putting his head there will you know mm-hmm. solve anything we need to take more drastic measures um, so they they, they, so they prize him up a bit like an oyster out of a shell with this piece of wood which is not a nice image and then they trundle mm-hmm. him down to the beach um, they piled up a large heap of wood, rolled him onto it, and set it on fire. They let the wood and Thoros burn to cold ashes. But it was a long time before the fire took hold of the body. And there was a strong wind blowing, and the ashes were scattered far and wide after the fire had begun to burn. But they raked as much of the ashes as they could out into the water. And after finishing this task, they rode home. Why do that with the ashes?
0: It just like a they comical scene where they just i feel like it's it's all it's, yeah it's almost a comedy of where i guess you can imagine when as, as macabre as it is like when somebody if somebody kills somebody for the first time and they try and get rid of the body and they have no yeah, idea like, what they have no idea what to do and i imagine as as, yeah. as macabre as it is it would be a comical moment where they're like trying to put it up and then there's your blood it's this, not going right and there's a mess everywhere and they're trying to clean it up and it's spreading. This, and it feels like that kind of scene, they're trying to burn it, the ashes are going everywhere.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, this is classic comedy black comedy stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. um so you know what we do in the shadows, where <laughs> Sophie, an episode of this to be being the murderer. Yeah, he'd totally be trying to shove the body in a bin and not fitting the legs in. But it's it's kind yeah. of dark humour and it's uh it's where one of the vampires keeps hitting the big, I think it's the carotid artery by mistake. And so instead of getting a nice, you know, just being able to drink the blood, it sort of goes like a geezer mm-hmm. and, and he chokes himself on it and it gets all over the furniture and he's kind yeah. of a dandy vampire. So he, do, he doesn't want blood all over his nice couch. And it, it's kind of funny, but of course mm-hmm. it's awful, but it's so funny. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what somebody in the chat said that was to do with burning fat and jam. And yeah, that's a fairly normal explanation. A, fair, a half decayed corpse or one that's a bit old and soggy plus a fire. I mean, humans, this is what's so dreadful about any humans that are burned alive. Like it, it takes a long time for a human body to really catch fire. And it's not merciful yeah. at all. It's you'd be there waiting and screaming before the fire even reached the vital bits of you. And it, mm-hmm. it's, ugh, it's horrible. Um, yeah, luckily this one's I, only undead.
0: I think that you suffocate before, because I think when the fire's so close to you that it's just sucking up all the oxygen that you suffocate before. Yeah. I mean, it's not nice, you but hope. I think you, suffocate, well, I think you, you suffocate a lot quicker than, than like...
1: I think depending on, it depends on the day. If it was a wet day, hopefully you would. Um, and some people in old martyrologies and some people would pay to have a gunpowder necklace put around their necks. Um, and then that would blow your head off and save you the pain.
2: Wow. Yeah. What? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: That's, that's insane.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's insane, but it's quite smart. Um, and I, it wasn't strictly allowed, but, I, but, you know, this was a sneak method of preserving a little bit of your, not dignity, that's too strong a word, but maybe ensuring your suffering doesn't go on too much.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I so guess it's it, it's almost taking back a little bit of control in the chaos.
1: Hmm. I think it is. It's like anybody who, if they knew they were going to die in a horrible, messy way would perhaps, you know, if they had the means and they knew there was no coming out, they would perhaps choose the easiest. And I can see yeah. that. And it's why in of The course. Handmaid's Tale, I mean, this is obviously, this is a very sensitive subject for everybody involved. Um, So it's, and it's not to be taken lightly. I think what's so effective about dystopias like the Handmaid's Tale. Um, one of the things that, one of the tells that tells you how bad that world is, is they tell you from the beginning, Oh, we're not allowed. Curtain slashes in our rooms. We're not allowed to eat with forks and knives. Uh, we're not allowed this, we're not allowed that. And what you come to realize is this is any instrument, which could be used to end your life by your own hand. Um, so the instinctive, the implication is people want to it's that bad
2: um
1: yeah but that's very macabre and this is more just classic goth scary really um so guess what happens next uh so we got to the ashes the ashes are a very interesting thing and they they make sure they shovel them out onto the water and obviously that's so that the burned ashes don't cause any damage it's it's often emphasized that if they burn a body of a and undead, they want to do it in a place where it's not going to affect any crops or livestock, because even that could have an adverse effect on what comes after it, Okay, Um, which is really interesting, I think. And obviously Mm -hmm. what happens is that, um, so I'm going to tell you the story of, um, the cow, (laughs) yeah, the farmer returned to Karlstead late in the evening. The women then were busy milking, and when he rode up to the milking shed, a cow shied away from him and fell and broke her leg. Uh, they took hold of her, but she was too thin to make it worthwhile to slaughter her. Obviously, cow with a broken oh. leg. Well, she's, you know, she's the, the first... I know it's, it's mean on the poor cow, but the idea it's is just... that, animal's likely, that animal's likely to sicken. So if she's nice and fat, the sensible thing to do would be to kill her now because she was going to probably go that way anyway. Yeah. Uh, but she's too skinny. So sensibly they decide to get their money's worth and allow her a chance to fatten up and, and and heal her leg so they get the leg bandaged but the cow then went dry obviously all build up and when the mm-hmm. leg was healed she was led up to ulfersfeld for fattening and there the pasture was as good as on an island it's kind of nice and isolated and long thick grass so she, mm-hmm. this is a good place for her to be out of the way and get her strength back Um, the cow often came down to the shore where the funeral pile had been and licked the stones on which the ashes had lain. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it was said said that one time when men from the islands came rowing up the head of the fjord with a boatload of dried fish, they saw the cow up on the hillside together with a dapple grey bull. No one knew there was such a bull in the neighbourhood. This is two separate things, in a way. Um, just for, for anyone who doesn't know, sapple grey or grey sort of speckly animals in Icelandic, that's a classic sign of the uncanny. So you've got the same thing with horses as well. And if you've got that colour animal, you know it's likely to be supernatural. Or paranormal, if, like Armin Jakobsen, you prefer that term. So in the autumn, Thorod intended to slaughter the cow. But when the men went out to look for her, she was nowhere to be found. Surprise, surprise. Um, Thorod often had her searched for that autumn, but she was never found. People assumed she'd died or been stolen. And early one morning, shortly before Yule, the herdsman went to the cow shed as usual. And there he saw the cow standing before the gate of the shed. And he recognized the animal as being the same one which had broken its leg and then had been lost. So she's waiting there by the gate. Like, she needs to come back in. And so he went... He oh, her to she a wants school, revenge. Cow's revenge. I mean, mind you, they haven't done anything terrible to her. They've just no, they haven't. bandaged her leg and sent her off to eat grass.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: She just, sadly, she has become the instrument for um, what is to come. More, <laughs> it's a bit like Alien.
0: <laughs> they mm. haven't
1: done anything wrong. They just happen to have been in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: She um, leaked the wrong lot. She,
1: she licked well, the wrong rock.
0: She licked the last well, why is that so hard to say? She licked the wrong rock.
1: She licked the wrong rock. Yes. Cow got face hugged and she sort of did. Um, so they led her to a store and um, they looked at the cow and they felt her with their hands, and they found that she was pregnant, and so she was unfit for slaughter.
0: Oh she <laughs> keeps tricking them. She keeps getting away with yeah.
1: this. He gets away with this. So um, so they'd they'd already, the story says they'd already killed enough cows as needed for the winter stores anyway. So in the following spring, just before the beginning of summer, the cow had a calf. It was a little heifer. And after a while, she had another calf. Um, So it doesn't say whether she's turned out to pasture in this meantime or she has the same partner. But either way, she has two offspring. And this was a bull calf. She had great difficulty bringing it forth because it was so large, and a little later the cow died. So, okay. yeah, it's it's a big one, and you immediately mm-hmm. know that's bad news, uh, especially if the mother dies carrying it. Um, so this large calf was carried into the main room. It was dapple grey in colour, and the story says that's bad it news. was, but it was a good-looking animal. It was well worth having. So obviously they don't. For us, it's bad news. According to them, oh wow, we just got a really big bull calf. That'll be a good stud. Mm-hmm. Um, we can use that. Um, now both calves were in the room. Oh, so oh, so it does say. So it's a brother and a sister. Um, yeah. Both calves are in the room. The first-born one having already been brought in, presumably to protect them from the cold and just get them dried off, and because their mothers died. Um, mm-hmm. An old woman was sitting in the room. She was Thorod's foster mother, and she's become blind in old age. Uh, in her younger days, she had been considered second-sighted. But now she'd grown old, what she'd said was regarded as senile chatter.
2: Okay. Uh, that's
1: typical. Freaking typical, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. How often do we see that happen where intelligent men and women grow old, and suddenly people start to infantilize them, especially women? yeah um when the large calf was trussed up on the floor so presumably it's either wrapped up in a towel or it's maybe they tie the legs together to carry it it bawled out loudly made a really loud moo. and when the old woman heard that she became greatly frightened and said that's the voice of a troll not a
2: living creature you need to slaughter this monster okay Hmm. guess what happens next This has a yes.
0: They don't They slaughter. don't. No,
2: of course, of course they, they, do. they
0: don't.
1: No, 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 no. They don't. Um, Thord says, There's no reason to kill this calf. It's excellently fit to be raised. It'll make a fine animal when it was fully grown. And then the calf bellowed a second time, and the old woman trembled all over and said, Dear foster son, do have this calf slaughtered. Misfortune will come to us if you raise it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He replied, The calf shall be slaughtered if you so wish foster mother. Then both calves were carried out, and Thorod had the heifer calf slaughtered and the other one taken out to the farm. He issued a warning that no one should tell the old woman that the bull calf was alive.
0: So, uh, why bother killing either of them? Just kill neither.
1: I guess some truth in a lie, like omitting certain truths. Like if someone said a calf's been slaughtered, then it can have been slaughtered. Also, I think there's some emphasis on doing the wrong thing here. Like this is, Mm. you know, he's killing the one that actually could have bought them some money as it will turn out in the end.
2: Mm. And he's
1: making an idiot decision. However you read it, wrong decision. And he's treating her like an idiot. Um, I would have listened to her. Mm -hmm. So... The calf grew visibly day by day. So in the spring, when they were let out of the stable, it was no smaller than those which had been born at the beginning of winter. Yeah. Jimmy says, typical horror story, ignore all the warning signs. I guess for a horror story, you have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part and parcel of the fabric, isn't it? Because if we, it's our sensible thoughts that allow the silly things in, because we tell ourselves they can't possibly happen. Yeah. Um, like, I can't possibly do this. I can't possibly have that happen but there's always a gap. It falls through and the impossible becomes possible. Um, So there you are. That's something of the genre for you. Um, He rampaged about the home field when he got out, bellowing as loudly as a fully grown bull so that you could clearly hear him in the house. Okay. Then the old woman said, so that troll was not killed after all. Now more harm will come to us from it than words can tell.
0: He's not daft she's she not
1: daft. she's really not doffed um the calf grew rapidly by autumn he was so large that few yearling steers were larger and he had a good set of horns and was very handsome in appearance he was called glacier it's sort of like i guess the english term would be shiny or glossy
2: kind
1: mm-hmm. that he's very rich looking coat when he was two years old he was as large as a five-year-old ox he was always kept on the farm with the milking cows. And whenever Thorod came to the milking pen, Glacier went up to him and sniffed at him and licked his clothing and Thorod patted him. He's making a bit of
2: a pet of it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, I'm trouble turning my page. He was as gentle as a sheep among both men and animals, but when he bellowed, it sounded most frightening. And whenever the old woman heard that, she became terribly excited okay yeah this is i think um Yunus is is right here um this is it's sort of um a false sense of security being built up here um as long as the ball is calm and gentle you can't believe any danger will come from him but the old woman's foreboding knows better yeah
0: she so. knows she's well aware of what's coming
1: so when Glaeser was four years old, rather than two, he refused to go out of the way for women, children, or young men. And nothing can shoo him. He won't be okay. away. And grown men went at him. He tossed his head and acted enraged. He retreated before them if he had to. And one day when Glaeser came home to the milking shed, he bellowed so loudly that it could be heard as clearly indoors as nearby. Thorrod and the old woman were in the sitting room. She sighed heavily and said, you don't value my advice very highly, not having had that bull killed, foster son. Very likely, so Thorod replies, never mind, Foster Mother, we're going to let Glacier live until fall, and then slaughter him after he's put on some flesh during the summer. Very likely it will be too late then, she said. That remains to be seen, said Thorod.
0: There's always that it's one character, isn't it? there, that, 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 that gives the warning that's just completely ignored.
1: Don't build a dinosaur park. It might be dangerous.
0: <sighs> mm. The signs yeah. are all there.
1: What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> While they were saying this, the bull bellowed and it sounded more horrible than before. Then the old woman spoke this verse. So this is a translation by Lee M. Hollander. And I don't think it's the best translation of the verse, but shall I read it to you? Sure. Um, his head beats the herd's leader, hoary chieftain, bellowing. That bull's fear eye will be men's bane, with voice blood curdling. To the grave will he teach you. Travel, I forewarn you. That ox assumes your life will end. I still see clearly. So that's the last bit, so clearly a reference to her blindness. She yeah. knows, even if she can't see.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Thorod replied, That's nothing but doting old wives' babble. I don't believe you see that. She spoke this verse. Always, when the old one opes her mouth, she is doting. But I see gore from bloody belly dripping, say you, madly turning on mankind. Mark you my words that brute will that sees the glare of the glittering gold rings
2: be your death yet. I mean, fairly <laughs> he, plain.
0: He's, whatever, he, whatever happens to him next, he deserves it.
1: And it does. That will not happen, foster mother, he declared. <laughs> I love it. Alas, but it will, she said. And that's the last we hear of it. Um, during the summer, after Thorod had had all the hay in the home field raped, there came a heavy rain. Um, basically, long story short, um, the bull goes absolutely berserk and starts acting up in the hay field and messing up things. They tell Thorod what he's doing. Uh, he snatched a big cudgel and he runs towards the bull. And when Glazer sees him, he stops and turns to him. Um, he tries to tell him off and shoo him, but he doesn't move.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Thorod rages the, he raises the cudgel and he hits the bull on the head to make it pay attention, which seems a silly idea. And then yeah. he charges um, and Toro sort of succeeds in, you know, he takes his horns and sweeps his head to the side and they, he dodges him for a while and he runs and then he puts his arms around the bull's neck and tries to wear him out by riding him around. But he jumps onto his back. Um, and then nobody really dares to come and help with what with, they, they, they can't. It's like when you have two people with knives and you can't run in between them, they just, there's no way of helping him. Um, but then Glacier eventually just tosses his head so that Thor's legs are thrown up into the air. And then he gets his head under the farmer and stabs him in the gut with one of his horns. It's, it's essentially like a sword blow. And then he yeah. lets go, he runs over the river, and the men chase him all the way across to a swamp. And then the bull runs into the swamp and sinks down and never comes up again. And it's called Glacierkelde, Glacier's bog. The, it, oh. it, enters the ground like a demon from hell and never comes Mm -hmm. up and then obviously thorod is taken to the house and
2: he dies of his wounds and that's the end of thorov's little narrative
0: well you know she told him so
1: (laughs) she told him so yeah women's foretelling that's that's um it is a common theme, like, but it's not just women, it's men as well. But I think foresight was considered to be, from what I've read, there's a lot of instances of foresight from it being a special intuition of the female mind, that they can often mm. sense bad things are going to happen. And I actually, I've got my own theories on that. I think that, I do think there is some truth in that if you are part of a, if for years and years you've been denied some powers, you're going to find your powers in another way. And I think it's nurture. People say, oh, women are better at this, that, and the other. And I don't think it's naturally so. I think it's because they've had to become accustomed to getting their power in other ways through reading people. Mm-hmm. Um, so your husband's a chieftain, you're not actually going to command the land, but you can get a lot done based on knowing how his moods turn and knowing how to manipulate his moods um, and knowing how to handle other people. So It's the sort of soft power, but it's very powerful nonetheless. Um, and I think, to some extent, foresight and sensitivity to events comes into so You could say it's foretelling the future. You could also say it's just common sense reading how people are, reading how they're going to react to things. And some of this is her clearly knowing her son uh, or her foster son, being like, "Well, you think this is a good idea, but y- you 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 don't take enough care."
0: Yeah. There's there's a lot to be taken from it because I'd be the pig headed okay. guy who is like, no, it's it'll be fine. Don't worry. I'll keep it make a lot of money from it. It's gonna be, be perfect. I just ignore you. And mm. I'd get I'd get what I deserved.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's um I mean it's it's something you see again and again. And I can't say I'm not guilty of that too. Sometimes it's it's very easy to be confident and just say, oh, I'll get it done. And you put it off, but actually the thing comes back and bites you in the ass. Or in the case of Thorod, it comes and bites you in the abdomen quite deep mm-hmm. and you die. Yeah. Um, so do you wanna shall we jump into ghost story number two? Or should we have a short two minute break for people to just get themselves another drink or what, should I
0: I think we should probably maybe save ghost story number 2 for next time. We've been Have I, we gone I, on for a
1: while?
0: It's like an hour and a half.
1: Oh my god.
0: So okay. we've been we've been talking for a while. Um Okay. So I think In we save case, it.
2: Yeah.
0: We save it for next time so we can do the Q&A for like half an hour 5 minutes after we can all talk about our own ghost stories. People can ask you some questions if they want, but I think we'll probably end up focusing just on, on our own little sure ghost stories. Well,
1: more ghost stories is always good. And the next one also involves a ghost animal. So I think it would be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, um,
0: I'd, I'd, rather than rush it, I would rather us have the time to explore it properly and go ooh. on different, our own little tangents and, and enjoy and take time rather than kind of push through.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. So, um Yeah. That's the story of Thorough Lamefoot and the Bull. And mm-hmm. if you want to read a bigger saga, you can. I think Penguin have copies of it now, so you can you can always um, swat up the next time. But if you want to leave mm-hmm. it a surprise, maybe save the read because I think the next the next one is a corker. And I'm actually kind of I'm always pissed off that I didn't mention that one first because I would have really liked to tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: no. There we go. Oh, no
1: thanks kimby
0: shoot a couple of people having to leave now oh some okay um yeah let people know where they can find you i guess if 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 you want people following you on social media i don't know some people do some people some people don't
1: um i don't do an awful lot on social media i do do instagram um Sometimes I publish poems, but that doesn't tend to be via the internet because they don't then let you have them anywhere else if um if it's already been on screen. So I'd say yeah, Twitter is at Claire Poet, um, Claire underscore poet, Instagram is at Clairefine, um, and that's spelt Claire without the i So oh,
2: yeah.
1: really it's just photos of occasional trips I do. And if I happen to go on academic conferences, I take snaps of all the countries I go to, which is always very nice. <laughs>
0: That's always fun. I can't um, wait to go back to
1: Iceland.
0: Yeah. So, so we, like I say, we're going to jump over and do the Q&A after this. So if you do want to check that out, please just take a moment to check out the Patreon. It's just forward slash Nordic Mythology Podcast. Again, the, the lowest tier is £3 a month. So it's 10p a day. And like I say, it's like buying me a cup of coffee and it really does help keep the show going and help keep us growing. And, Claire, I have an extra special little surprise for you after in the Q&A. Because I've been promising a coconut oh. bikini for a long time. And oh. I feel like this could be the time. Oh, well, it is the time. So, it's again, the time. For, for people who, who've followed us for a while, when we hit 200 patrons, I said I would do an episode in a, in a coconut bikini. Obviously, you know, it, it was supported by the patrons, so it's fair that it's for the patrons, So in the Q&A, when I I rejoin you, I will have my coconut bikini top on.
1: Yes. And if he gets Um, to 300, he's made a promise to actually get on an ash pile and dress as a pig. So you need to get some (laughs) You said it. It wasn't me. Did I say that? You did say that.
0: I probably you know, I I probably did. I probably did say that as well. That's the that's the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, you
1: did. You, you, there's
0: evidence on YouTube. Um,
2: you know, <laughs> just
0: that. Okay. <laughs> <than the> <laughs> Dude, if you enjoy the show, please leave a five star rating and positive review wherever you get your podcast, and also hit the subscribe button, whether it's audio or visual on YouTube. Uh, it lets you know whenever we drop any new content. And yeah, I think that's it. Obviously, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, just at Nordic Mythology Podcast. So yeah, let's let's go do q and A. Q&A and I will be less dressed, I guess. Thank you, Claire. We'll thank speak you. To you. Speak to you in a minute.
1: Speak to you shortly. Bye.